welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary in the aftermath of the Toronto Blue Jays collapse, whatever, season ending. Anyway, uh, my name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Uh, this video and podcast available, obviously, in video and podcast form. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, like the video. That stuff really helps. Um, bell notification or bell icon to let you know when we are doing these is a big help as well. Um, podcast wise, you can subscribe and leave a rating. That stuff helps out as well. So uh, this is going to be a two-parter. Uh, the first one is going to entirely focus on the demise of the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, Rumors of their demise were not greatly exaggerated. They were probably underreported on, quite frankly, um, as the Blue Jays falter. In part two, we will get to the regular Thursday, uh, which is the NFL Power Rankings, and continuing in our NHL preview, looking at over- and undervalued teams, and we'll start to look at the Calgary Flames and look at their uh, forward group and defense group. So that is what is coming up. As always, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, Couch Potato Diary, at Yahoo. Yahoo.com, and we're on Facebook. So, uh, those are all the ways you can find me. That's everything that is coming up. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, there'll be a lot of yelling. And uh, I thank you so much for tuning in today. All right, so the Blue Jays' season ends uh, with a whimper as they fall to the Minnesota Twins. 2-0 the final score in Game 2 of their American League wildcard series. The Twins are off to get the hell beat out of them by the Houston Astros, and the Blue Jays are off licking their wounds for the second time in a row, and for the third time in four years, they are out in two straight games in the postseason. So, a lot to get to in this. Let's not beat around the bush. Let's get right to the absolute main big story from all of this. And that is the decision to pull Jose Barrios. If you are unawares, uh, Jose Barrios was dealing. Hadn't even thrown 50 pitches yet in the fourth inning. And he gets pulled after a walk in the fourth inning, which um, lights Twitter on fire. And now here we are a couple of days later, or a day later, about 24 hours later, and there's no other way you can look at this other than that was an inexcusable move by the Toronto Blue Jays head coach or manager. Sorry. And I understand that there's analytics and all of those things involved. Um, we'll just say this was an inexcusable move made by the Toronto Blue Jays. And um, I, I was going to say, leave it at that. We are absolutely not going to leave it at that. Barrios was absolutely unhittable in this game. He was phenomenal. Um, that two-seam fastball that was moving um, in on right-handed hitters away from lefties was just picture-perfect. The pitch that he threw, I believe it was even... No, I wouldn't have been to Lewis, because Lewis was a righty. I think it was Polanco switch hitter, so he's batting lefty. Um, it's a two-seam fastball, and so normally, when you're throwing a pitch... Uh, yes, I keep baseballs around. When you're throwing like a, a fastball... Um, the, the camera's too zoomed in for me to, but if you're throwing it like this, the ball's going to move like this, but with a two seamer, um, if you put just a, a little bit of extra pressure on the, the one finger, um, you can actually get it to move a little bit more and two seamers just in general are, are going to, to do that just based off of whatever cameras too. You, you know what I mean? Um, but the two seamer, when you, when you can throw it, or when you throw it, it's going to have a bit more of a, a movement like this. And for people who are listening, all of that explanation sounded really bad. So, um, 
Four-seam fastball, it moves kind of the direction your arm would. Two-seamer kind of goes against that a little bit and would seem to defy physics. And what he did to paint the corner with that one was nothing short of spectacular. A phenomenal pitch to, to really show, like, this guy is dealing. Everything seemed like an out pitch. There wasn't anything that he was just kind of wasting. The, the changeup was working. Breaking balls, all of them, were phenomenal. And, like, I... I poorly demonstrated on video and even poorer in audio, um, that fastball was working for him. And so to pull him in that situation, I don't care what analytics you had, to pull him in that situation is absolutely inexcusable. We'll get into the analytics thing in a second, but th they were saying, oh, this is all part of the plan. There has to be more than one plan, right? Like, I, I understand planning for when things are going wrong. And planning for things going right with this Blue Jays team does seem to be like a bit of a fool's errand this year. But you have to have a plan for, hey, if this guy's just fucking dealing, what do we do? Um, there's no way. Absolutely no way. If you had gone into a planning process at the beginning of the game and said, okay, has this guy gone through three and a third at 45 pitches or whatever it was and just seems to have these guys completely baffled? Okay, well, then we're not going to change him. Like, there's no way you you say that before the game and come to the conclusion, oh, yeah, no, we have to, to go to, to Yusei Kikuchi, who, by the way, is just an absolute bystander in all of this. And I feel bad for him because he actually pitched okay, but not phenomenally um the way that that Barrios was and that's not on Kikuchi that's on management for for putting him in that spot but if you're going to pull Barrios in that situation then there is no point in having a Gosman or having a Barrios and they did it two games in a row and they did it in the postseason last year if you are going to do that with these guys that there is no point in having them get a bunch of three four and five guys that you can go out there get uh, you'll have to get like six of them um so you can just kind of cycle through them all but like get those guys so that you can just just keep doing this because the, the reason you get pitchers like Gosman, who's going to be a finalist for the Cy Young this year. Pitchers like Barrios, who on their best day are better than almost everyone in baseball. The reason you get those guys is for the exact literal situation the Blue Jays were in to trust that guy to go out there and absolutely deal. He was doing exactly what you were paying him for. Like, to the letter of the deal, what you were paying that guy to do was that fucking thing that he was doing out there on the mound um, in, in Minnesota. And so to, to do that, like, it's just, what's the point in having that anyway? Like, what, what, what is the point in having a Ferrari if you're just driving to and from the grocery store and then staying inside and playing video games all day, right? Like, forced analogy, but you understand the point that, that I'm getting at. Um, it, it just, it doesn't make any sense, and it kind of, it, it does, it, it just, it, again, I keep coming back to what's the point in having these guys? Part of it um, does seem to be, like, a little suspect on, on my part. And look, like, this is, I, I do think this is kind of what part, at least anyway, of what some teams bring in analytics departments to do. If you are going to make a move in a game that seems to limit the value of starting pitchers to your team, or just players on your team in general, it seems really suspect to have your front office be in charge of that. And make no mistake, but because this is an analytics decision, the front office is absolutely involved in these decisions. And so to have the the majority of the decisions made by something that limits the value of your players, it just seems a little bit suspect to me, is all I'm saying. 
Um, like it, it, it just seems like, oh yeah, no, we don't need to pay pitchers 150, 200 million dollars because we, we have analytics that will help us to, to have to not do those things. But it just, it seems really suspect to, to have that sort of thing. And yes, there is an analytics look at, at all of this. Um, and that is, that was the big discussion on, on social media. Um, the, 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 where is the pie chart for emotion and stuff like that, which is fuck off. But there is an analytics way of all of this. And this is where there is, to me, a frustration in the analytics debate. They were looking at lefty-righty splits, obviously. Which, A, first and foremost, has been done since the beginning of fucking time, right? Like, that's since we figured out that people throw right and left-handed, people bat right and left-handed, and ones that throw right-handed do so better to right-handed batters, and those that do so left-handed do so to left-handed batters, which has been a while ago, we've been using this. So, just, like... It hasn't been implemented so aggressively, but we, we've had lefty-righty splits basically since the beginning of time. But they were looking at that, not the numbers that would look at, okay, what does a guy do first and second time through the order, or what does a guy do when he's just fucking dealing, which uh, it would be a weird stat, but you know what I mean. Like, they, they chose to look at one set of stats and not the other set of stats. And that's why just lumping everything into this big catch-all, well, analytics, down with the analytics, um, is just very kind of knuckle-draggy and uh, a little bit... It, it, it just feels a, a little bit easy to do. But th this is why the analytics thing can be so complicated. It's not just having analytics. Having analytics is one thing. We all have the analytics. Like, we, we can go to um, MLB Savant and uh, StatCast and um, Fangraphs and Baseball Reference was the one I was trying to get to uh, before I listed off four. Um, we, we all we all have access to, to all of those, but th this is a, a bigger conversation I think about analytics because like again like I said we all we all have numbers that we are looking at you need to know what you are looking at right like you you need to know like I, I just like this specific situation there's already two different sets of analytics that you can look at and that's before you get into how does each hitter do against each pitcher um and then you can go even further like uh, Barrios throws a, a fastball at this velocity with this spin rate and a breaking ball at this velocity with this spin rate. Well, this guy, his bat has a bit of a tougher time based on its trajectory on this spin rate and this velocity. And this guy's bat, based on its trajectory, because we have those stats too, um, this guy struggles against this spin rate and this velocity. Therefore, we should use pitcher X in, in this situation, right? Like there's there are a lot of stats to have. It's not just a big thing that just says analytics and it's just like this this guy bad this guy good like that's the exact opposite of what this is supposed to be so yes it's one thing to have analytics it's another thing to know how to use them and know how to use them in in different situations this was clearly the wrong situation to use whatever analytics they decided to look at there are some situations where it is a bit more cut and dry in my opinion bunting um when you look at run expectancy charts it's just better to have three swings with runners at first and second than basically one with um, runners at second and third because your argument there is you're trying to get the, the run in from third base. So you have one at bat to hit a fly ball. Fantastic. I'd rather have three to try to get a base hit just based on how really hard this sport is to hit. Bunting getting a, a absolute drive-by there. I apologize. But like there, there are some instances where, in my opinion, it's a bit more cut and dry. But in the case of this one, we just listed off like six that, that you can look at. That's why it's not just enough to just check the box of, well, we have an analytics department and they're going to help us with the decisions. You have to have the right people looking at the right numbers for the right time, which 
as I think you can probably figure out by now, is really fucking hard to do. Because there are so many numbers to look at. I mean, even War, the, the stat that is kind of the, the overall, that this is how the stats community can value players, and we had that whole Miguel Cabrera, Mike Trout debate that lasted years and years and years. Um, there's two of them. There's a Fangraphs war, and there is a Baseball Reference war. Both of those sites use different things to, to calculate the, their wars. So, there are numbers out there for everything that will justify anything you want them to. You have to have the right people looking at the right numbers in the right situations to, to have them used effectively. So, to just say, oh, well, analytics is so... It just, it's oversimplifying an extremely not simplified thing. Um, and that's that, that's where this whole thing can get a, a little bit frustrating. And quite frankly, it's not even the point of analytics in the first place. I mean, like, analytics are there to, to give you a bit of a um, emotionless look at what you should and shouldn't be doing in a baseball game and how to, to grow things, right? Um, and, and how to, to give yourself the, the best chance to win. But they're really there to help give you the best chance to win over an entire season, right? Like, that, that's, that's Moneyball, essentially. It's using all of this info to help compete with the bigger teams. Now the bigger teams are using it, but Moneyball was used all of this info that the bigger teams aren't using to try to get an edge on them. But that only works in a season-long thing, right? Like, that, that works that the bigger the sample size, the more this is going to work. By design, the playoffs limit that, right? Like, the, the playoffs bring it down to a, a point where, um, like, it, it's all just a, a series of small sample sizes, and then your season's over, in the, the Blue Jays' case. There are analytical decisions to, to help set you up, right? Like, we talked about one kind of yesterday. Having your number two hitter be Brandon Belt seemed like an issue all series long, um, as quick as it was. Having your best hitter be your number two hitter because analytics say over the course of a season, you're going to get him a few more bats and over the course of a game, you're going to have him come up in, in better situations just the way the lineup works. Um, that That's one way it can help you. But th these were, th this was a thing initially designed to help give you a season-long edge. It's just somewhere along the line because everyone started using it, they tried to, to zero in more and more. And okay, well, how can we get a better edge in this situation? How can we get a better edge here? And now it has kind of been misused in this way that it's like, oh, well, yeah, this is how this is what the analytics tell you to win one game. It, it's never, it never was supposed to be that. And that's where you get these things like, oh, well, the playoffs are a, a crapshoot um, because the, the analytics can't really help you. It's like, well... If they were, the Dodgers wouldn't have success in them every year, and the Astros wouldn't have success in them every year, and the Braves wouldn't have success in them every year if it was just this whole random series of events. I, I just can't imagine the Dodgers have been kind of lucky for a decade. Um, it, it's it has kind of that that's kind of been a justification to to keep the analytics around. So, like, oh well, this is what you're supposed to do: give yourself a best chance. So that this is what it is. When in reality, analytics, I believe anyway are supposed to be used in constructing your team, absolutely in constructing your team. Although there's a balance in that too. You look at hockey, like, I uh, I think that, like, analytics should be used for the majority of time in building your hockey club, but I also see the value in just having Ryan Reeves around to punch people in the face. Um, same thing goes for, for baseball, right? Like, uh, having, having, guy, having Mike Trout and a, a team full of guys with high war is great. Sometimes it's just awesome to have Miguel Cabrera too. Right? Like, 
you, you can have that balance. But analytics, in my opinion, should be used as a way to, to build a baseball team. And they should be used in a way to optimize that baseball team throughout the season. And then give you a bit of a, a map, so to speak. Uh, more of a guideline, I guess. Because a map leads you right to the destination. This should be a guideline to help you in the postseason. But there does still have to be a feel to, to playoff games. And, the, the, God, that makes me sound so old. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, there, there has to be a way to manage certain situations without just, this is what it said before the game, so this is what we're going to do to be able to take emotion out of it. Sometimes you can't take emotion out of it. Now, you, you can go too far the other way, and we, we have seen that. Basically, to get one of these patches on your head, on your hat, it's really fucking hard to do. That's why only one team gets to do it every year. I guess to get the patch, you get to. But I wouldn't be wearing this one if the Jays lost in 93, right? So the, the to, to get that World Series trophy or to get this patch on your hat is really hard to do. It takes more luck than people would like to admit. But it also does take, I think, a balance of using these numbers to help get you to this point, but then using what you have seen all season long to get you to the promised land. And that, I think, is where the, the Blue Jays have certainly lost their way with this whole situation. Um, but make no mistake about it. The decisions that were made to lead up to Jose Barrios being taken out of that ball game, that process dramatically needs to change for the Toronto Blue Jays going forward. Now, 17 minutes of that to say, that wasn't the reason the Blue Jays lost the game. Although, I will say, like you could, not that it felt like there was a ton of confidence around this team anyway, but they were building, right? Um, you could feel the air come out of that ball club when that happened. Um, Barrios has to be up there cheering guys on and Hey, it's okay, we, we can get through this. You guys got this, you got this. It took Jose Barrios being the professional of all professionals to help keep that team even remotely on the rails. Um, but it did feel like a real deflating moment for that Blue Jays club that I don't think they totally recovered for in that game. But at the end of the day, this is a team that scored one run in 18 innings, which, spoiler alert, isn't good enough. So for the Blue Jays now... It was a problem all season long. It was a problem that wasn't addressed all season long. And now we are seeing the problem with it. They score one run in 18 innings. They had a chance to put Sonny Gray away early. First and second in the first and the second inning. Uh, opportunities to, to really drive that game home. And they came away with nothing in it. They let him get settled in that game. And then you let the Twins set up their bullpen in a way that it was absolute best case scenario. Talk about how a plan is going. That is absolutely how that plan was going for them. And they, they set it up perfectly because of the Blue Jays' inability to take advantage of Sonny Gray struggling early on. They let him kind of get back into a groove and they let the Twins set up that game exactly how they wanted to. Uh, there was no approach to, to this team. Sonny Gray is a pitcher that he's going to give you a couple and you have to take advantage of them. But if you don't even let yourself get to that point, then he is going to eat you alive. And that's what the Blue Jays were. He is a pitcher that requires patience against the team that refused to be patient all game long. I think they swung at the first like five pitches of the ball game. Um... Like, Springer, he, he's going to do that. But even that, can you just not for a second, please? That, that would be great. And Bo Bichette, like, if they could rein him in even a little bit, just a little bit. Like, I'm not saying he needs to, to have a, a military crew cut and just be like, sir, yes, sir, sir, no, sir, the, the whole time. But, boy, if they could just rein that horse in a little bit, then 
he would be just the best hitter in baseball, in my opinion. Like, he has the tools to be the best hitter in baseball. And th there's part of that is helped by his aggression, for sure. But there's there has to be at least a touch of an approach and a touch of a game plan going into it for for him to to really I think unlock his his true potential. Um, but at the end of the day, this offense just was not good enough. And quite frankly, it was an offense that was built around Vlad Guerrero Jr. being an MVP candidate when all he was was good, which is fine. I, I do think the ceiling on him is much higher, and the expectations on him have always been much higher than oh yeah, he was good than a 265 hitter with 25 home runs. Um, like we're talking about a guy who people are expecting to have to pay him like three, four, five hundred million dollars in a few years. 265 and 25 home runs ain't that dude. Um, th this was a lineup that was built on him getting back to that and he just wasn't that. All season long, he was not that. And then at the biggest moment of the season, he gets picked off second, which again is just inexcusable for a kid who grew up in a baseball household who was supposed to have that next level unlocked, that next level bas uh, baseball IQ unlocked. He didn't, and it ended up really coming back to to bite him. Um, in in that particular moment, it just that that's that that can't happen. Your best hitter up with the season on the line, and you're the tying run, and that happens. It is just such a heartbreaker, and the Blue Jays just did not recover from that. It And the, the whole game, the whole series, I think was a perfect summary of this Blue Jays season. They didn't take advantage of opportunities that were presented to them that they should have taken advantage of that put them in a hole that they actually weren't good enough to get out of. Um, it, it was just the whole season so frustrating, and it turns out, with one of the more frustrating losses that you'll see. Not the most that we've seen, because that was probably last year, but uh, a real, real downer to, to end the season for the Blue Jays. Which brings us to the offseason. We'll do a big whole offseason thing later. Um, but for now, you, you look at it, I truly believe Atkins and Schneider should be gone. Um, Atkins did not have the foresight, I guess, to see some of the issues that were plaguing this team all season long. Um... They got extremely lucky with the pitching being as healthy as it was, but this was not a GM that built up the, the pitching depth. I, I just, and he also is the one at the head of the department that would have made the decision to, to get rid of Barrios. And Schneider, um, again, it's it's a whole department thing, but he is at the front of it. And so is it 100% fair to put 100% of the blame on him? Probably not. But that's the gig, my dude. Um, I, I think the Jays need to find a difference maker at the managerial position instead of trying to find the best of the bargains. That's just my opinion on on that matter. I would love to see uh, Kiermaier back. He seems like one of those culture setter guys and defensively gives you a real edge in the outfield. I, I think that they're... Um, I think that there is obviously a need to, to upgrade this offense. Probably uh, that will come in the way of a, a designated hitter. Um, to me, Teoscar Hernandez would be great to, to bring him back. Um, I would love Pete Alonso if you could pluck him from the fire sale that, that's going to be happening with the Mets. That would, I think, also... You just need a basher in the middle of that lineup to, to help drive some of these runs in and give this lineup a, a much more dangerous look than it had certainly this season when once you got past Bo at four, it just felt like the, the lineup fell off uh, a little bit. Chapman's going to be really interesting 
because he is maybe the best position player available in free agency. And I saw earlier this year there was an expectation of Marcus Simeon money. I don't believe he is worth that. However, he is about two feet away from having the two biggest hits the Blue Jays have had since Edwin Encarnacion homered to walk it off against the Orioles in 2016. That fly ball to the wall in center field in game one that Taylor made the, the leaping catch on, and the foul ball with the bases loaded down the third baseline that just missed in foul territory. Either of those, just a little bit over. Um, and we're talking about Chapman delivering two massive hits and a guy that you absolutely have to bring back. So that's going to be difficult because I think like Biggio isn't as good as Chapman defensively, um, nor do I think he is as good as Chapman offensively, but he is close enough. I think that if you don't spend that money there and want to spend it as in big upgrades in, in other spots, then uh, I think you can absolutely go and, and do that. Ryu is likely gone, um, which is too bad because I, I, I think that this is... Um, someone who I, I think kind of changed the perception of the Blue Jays when, when he came to Toronto. That kind of signified, like, this team is going to be going for it here in the next little bit. And the fact that he pitched at such a high level for this team throughout his contract, um, for it to end with him not on the playoff roster and Trevor Richards being on the playoff roster and with this team winning zero playoff games is a failure of the organization, not of him. In terms of a fifth starter, you're hoping it's Manoa, and you're hoping that he just comes back, um, all is fine, he has figured out whatever the problem was, he's maybe in a bit better shape, and he's back to maybe not even all-star caliber, but he can be a, a serviceable number five. If not, you have to go out and get that. But I think it's a really inter interesting time now with Manoa and with Ricky Tiedemann. Um, Tiedemann pitching in, in AAA, I would imagine that there is a hope in the organization that he can get to the big league level by around next season. If Manoa is just out of it, then maybe you trade him to a team, hope you can flip him for a couple of bats to a team that still sees his potential and think they can get the, the most out of him. But that's going to be a, a real interesting point this offseason. This was an incredibly frustrating year. Like, this was not a fun time to be a Blue Jays fan. And it should be. With players like Bichette and Springer and Vlad, that this was supposed to be the really, really fun time. Um, that made up for a couple of down years after Anthopolis moved on to, to Atlanta, um, which that seems like a, a real turning point in this franchise, um, not giving him the keys to the car when they didn't. And he goes off to Atlanta and builds like the exact perfect team you would want instead of having that here in Toronto, where instead we had Kendrys Morales. Um this was, like I said, it, it wasn't a fun year. That This was a really frustrating year. And I'm saying that as someone, like, the Blue Jays are my team. Like, I I, I love the Raptors and the, the Riders and the Raiders and all, blah, 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 blah. The Blue Jays are my team. Um, I, I grew up on Labatt Blue Jays baseball. I grew up in a, a Blue Jays household. Like I said, like, I got just sitting here by my desk. I have, from 2000, a hit, run, and throw baseball. Um, I also have a baseball signed by several Blue Jays from the 1998 team. Like, this is... The, the Blue Jays are my team, but this wasn't fun this year. All of that being said, and this is going to get some... <sighs> they're close. Like, the, 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 the talent on this team is close enough. I think it needs to be used in a more optimal way. It needs to improve, um, and it needs a couple of pieces. But they are right there, I think, to, to really be the World Series contender that people have thought they have been for the last couple of years. But it is going to take some work to be this offseason. 
I just hope they change the ones who are doing that work. That's going to do it for part one of the podcast today. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. Find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein. Twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email this show, CouchPotatoDiary, at Yahoo.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search CouchPotatoDiary. Coming up um, on the show later today, we'll be looking at NFL Power Rankings for the week. We will also be getting into our NHL preview, looking at over and undervalued teams for the year, and previewing the forward and defensive group for the Calgary Flames for the upcoming season. Just a couple personal notes. Uh, I'm going to be on Sportsnet 960 The Fan tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Um, from 2 to 4 filling in for logo and then this saturday uh wild rose sports association we had um mark the shark to carlo on to talk about the um the, the show they had uh, a couple of months ago back at the, the genesis center this time uh shark is otherwise occupied i'm stepping in as the ring announcer um so look for me with the wild rose wrestling coming up this Saturday in the Northeast. We're not at the Genesis Center. Um, it is at the, um, I, I'm going to, to say this wrong, the Chapelhow Legion um, in the Northeast, but just w follow Wild Rose Sports Association. Find the, uh, the the poster. It'll tell you where it's going to be there in Edmonton uh, coming up tomorrow. And then I'm going to be on the show coming up on Saturday. I am so excited for that opportunity. It's going to be a whole lot of fun this weekend. So those are the ways you can check me out. Um, as always, thank you all so much. And I will talk to you all if you're listening in podcast form um, or watching the video here, uh, just a matter of minutes uh, because the, that's, you know, the next show will be up soon. Um, so thank you all so much. And I'll talk to you all. <laughs>